0: Hi guys, Reagan here, and welcome to week six of Twisted States, where we take a look state by state at some of America's most nefarious killers, elusive cryptids, and bizarre mysteries. This week, we are working on week six, and we are in Kentucky. Kentucky, or the Commonwealth of Kentucky, which is actually its official name, was the 15th state to join the Union, and that happened on June 1st of 1792. Kentucky is most well-known for horse racing, moonshine, bourbon, and KFC. The state beverage of Kentucky is milk, and the state car is the Corvette. Kentucky is also known as the Bluegrass State. So the Bluegrass State is also the location of the blue people of Kentucky. Martin Fugate and Elizabeth Smith married and settled near Hazard, Kentucky around 1820. Both were carriers of the recessive Met H gene. The proper name for it, I'm going to butcher, but here we go. The methemoglobinemia gene. As a result, four of their seven children had blue skin. There was a very like limited g- local gene pool that had a lot of descendants of the fugits that were born with that met H gene. And a lot of the descendants continued to live in the areas around Troublesome Creek and Ball Creek into the 20th century. This came to the attention of various scientists and uh, researchers. This has also been a phenomenon that has been researched because it also happens in native Alaskans sometimes. And the theory is that there's a deficiency of the enzyme diaphorase, which causes an oxygen deficiency in red blood cells, causing the blood to appear brown, which also makes the skin of those affected appear blue. One attempted treatment for this was made by uh, Madison Cowan III, which was a hematologist that studied the blue people of Kentucky. Cowan treated the family with methylene blue, which is some pretty harsh stuff. Uh, it was used for to treat cyanide poisoning at one point. I'm not sure if it still is and a few other different different ailments, but it seems to have some pretty harsh side effects. So I don't know it i couldn't really find anything as far as other symptoms go but if it's a la- uh, oxygen deficiency then maybe Maybe there's more side effects than I realize to having this deficiency or whatever, having blue skin. It's been like speculated that some other Americans who inherited the MET-H gene may have had fugit ancestors. That's been pretty, pretty inconclusive so far. But yeah, blue people. Pretty, pretty weird stuff right there. I remember my grandmother had mentioned this story to me before. I didn't have any idea that that was actually real. Onward to a little bit darker tale. Now let's get into the tale of Levi Boonhelm. Here we go. Levi Boonhelm was born January 28th, 1828 to Joseph and Nancy. Now he was one of 12 children, I believe. Either that or he had 12 siblings. So there was either 12 or 13 of them. Every every bit of information was conflicting. But I mean, this guy was born almost 200 years ago. So that's <laughs> kind of to be expected. Anyway, but he was born in Lincoln County, Kentucky. While he was like, when he was younger, his family moved to Missouri. While living in Missouri, in his younger years, he used to basically just fight everybody. He started off in his teens, he would set up like a boxing ring out like by his house, and he would invite people to fight with him. And then when that kind of got burnt out, and people were just like, whatever, you know, he's just like beating people up. And it's not really, you know, and that kind of lost its novelty and lost the interest of, of people in the area. Then he just started fighting people, everybody, anybody, you know, walk down the street and start a fight. That just became his thing. <laughs> so this guy kind of had a little bit of an, an anger issue, a little bit of a control issue. And he just wanted to like, he was just this, this cocky guy that wanted to fight everybody. When he was, yeah, when he was 20, he got married to Lucinda Browning and they had a daughter together. Things didn't last so long with them and they ended up getting divorced. Shortly after getting married, they were together probably a couple years or so. In 1850, Boone approached his cousin, Littleberry Shoot. What a name, Littleberry, like buried, like B-U-R-Y, Littleberry (laughs) Shoot. Anyway, he approached Littleberry and he said, hey, like I want to go to California. Like this gold rush thing is going on. I'm divorced. Things aren't going so well with that. And I just want to, you know, Splitsville and get out of here. And Littleberry was like, I don't know. I don't, eh, I don't really know if it's really something I want to do. I just not really interested in relocating to California. Sounds, sounds like something I'm not up to, you know? So he was like, all right, fine. Well, do you want to go to Texas? And he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe I could do Texas. I might be able to, to go to Texas. Like, that's not, that's not too bad. Maybe I'll go to Texas. And then he's like, no, I really want to go to California. You know, Littleberry, go with me to California. And Littleberry's like, you know, kind of appeasing him. He's like, yeah, sure. You know what? Well, let's do California. Let's go. Let's go do the thing. So then one night they're like drinking together or whatever and they're talking, you know, and, and Littleberry's like, you know what? I honestly, I really don't, I don't think that California is cool. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. Boone's response to this was to stab him in the chest and murder him. Being that he killed his cousin, Little Littleberry, uh they immediately little various other family members and well obviously they were cousins so they shared a lot of family members uh they started hunting after him they were like you know hey dude no so they kind of they went chasing him down and they ca- they captured him he was arrested he was tried he was found guilty but when they captured him he was acting just balls out crazy like the guy was acting like he was completely insane just bad, like acting out and just being hysterical to the point where he kept trying to like take off and was just, just saying all kinds of crazy things and just acting just totally nuts. So they ended up like hog tying him. And then they ended up throwing him over the horse, like tied (laughs) with his hands and legs tied, like bound up, uh, threw him over the horse sideways and took him in when he went in and went to court, the judge was like, okay, well, you're guilty. You know, they say sentenced him and everything. But the judge was like, you know, we're just going to put him into a mental facility. Uh, I don't know why he would choose that over jail. Probably he was worried about getting the death penalty for stabbing his cousin in cold blood. So he figured that that was going to be his out. They said he was, you know, mentally incapacitated and they went ahead and put him in the facility. Well, he's in there and now he's become like this nice guy. You just like this 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 misunderstood guy that, you know, gets along really well with the guards and he's like, you know, everything's all kumbaya and stuff and he's, he's not doing anything too crazy. And, of course, there's uh, an ulterior motive here. He's trying to get, fam- you know, familiar with the guards so that it, everything's all good and build their trust. They start taking him, like, an armed guard starts taking him for walks a couple of different accounts like some people say it was more than one guard and some people say it was just one but either way they were letting him go out and take walks in the wood the whole point behind him doing that was so that he would have an opportunity to you know splitsville again <laughs> so he took off out into the to the woods and he escaped once he got out of the facility he headed to california because You know, I mean, obviously, this man was determined to go to California. After all he went through, he killed his cousin over it, everything. Like he finally he was like, I'm just going. Rumor has it that he committed a lot of really heinous crimes along the way. So along the way to California, he joined up with some other people and they were kind of sketch as well. And he kind of he bounced around. Like he went to California, Oregon, and Idaho. And I mean, he was just all over the place, just kind of finding his way. And he's kind of causing trouble everywhere he went. So he didn't last places very long. One of the things he used to always do, and it was his way of attracting the ladies, was he would ride his horse up and he would have a He had like a buck knife that he carried on his waistband and he would throw the buck knife into the ground. He'd, you know, ride his horse past the knife and do this little double hop thing off the horse while it was still moving, grab the knife and get back on the horse. And that was his way of wooing the ladies. So he's doing that and starting fights with people and being obnoxious and just, just showing his ass. A judge like put out a warrant for him because he's like, okay, you're just too, this is too much and it's too much. I can't handle all this. It's, you know, whatever. So word gets out to him that they're looking for him. And uh, this judge wants him, you know, uh apprehended for his shenanigans and just general misconduct. So he rides his horse into the courthouse, right up the damn stairs and into the courtroom. And he's like, you wanted to see me? what's this all about? He was out of control. Some things he did, you're like, that's funny, but then you got to stop and realize that this man killed in cold blood and like eight people. So how funny was it? You know, he uh was up north with this group of people and they decided to head down to Fort Hall on their way to Salt Lake City. So as they're headed down now, the he was notorious like for taking off cross country on his horse with like one water skin, like no prep, no, no supplies, no nothing. Cause he figured he would just rob and steal his way to where, you know, pillage and, you know, his way into wherever he was headed. He's with these these other guys, right? And they decide to go down to Fort Hall. It's like dead a winter. Okay they have no provisions. They're just winging it. They run out of food almost immediately. They're going along and they start dropping like flies because they're freezing to death. They're out in the elements and they're not prepared for any of this. Burton was the last survivor of the group along with Boone Helm. He and Boone, basically their party members were freezing to death. They were like, well, you know what? I mean, don't let that good meat go to waste. And they were eating their deceased party members, dining upon their bodies, which got them a little further along. But then Burton ended up at a point where he couldn't travel any further. So they stopped. Boone said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go on to Fort Hall, scope things out, and then I'll come back to you. I'll bring you provisions and we'll get you... You know, where you need to go, we'll get you there. You'll be all right, you know? So he goes to Fort Hall. Well, he gets there. It's winter. They're not there during the winter. It's a seasonal post because of the weather. Okay. So there's nobody there. There's no supplies there. There's nothing. So he's like, crap, whatever. So he goes back to check on Burton as he was approaching where Burton was. Burton shot himself. Boone, once again, now he's (laughs) ridden all the way to Fort Hall. There's nothing. He's out here with no supplies. And this guy shoots himself. So he's like, well, what am I going to do? I've got to eat, you know? So he cuts off one of the guy's legs and like cooks it and eats it. And then he's getting ready to go to continue on and try to get somewhere. He cuts the other guy's leg off and ties it up and throws it on his horse, packs it with him so that he's got something to eat later on down, down the road. He ends up running into one of the local tribes. There's not a lot of clarity as far as like what exactly happened at that point like what he was doing there or how he was received or whatever but while he was there John Powell runs across him he tells him like kind of what happened and whatever you know and he's like I'll help you get to Salt Lake City they load up they get to Salt Lake City. John Powell, he's gone out of his way. He hooked him up with everything that he needed, made sure he had plenty of supplies, made sure that he had safe passage to Salt Lake City. And Boone didn't even thank the guy. He was just like, Yeah, like you owed me that, even though he doesn't even know this guy. And the guy was a little salty about it. Not that he really wanted some big praise, but it was like, Wow, I kinda like saved your your hide here, and you're just like, Meh, whatever. And then come to find out, Boone had like fourteen hundred dollars on him. And he didn't even offer to like pay this guy, he just took this guy. Good grace, and just was just like whatever you owe me that he gets to Salt Lake City. In my mind, I'm like, wow, Mormon country. <laughs> the way he acts and everything, like, how is that gonna work, right? Come to find out, like, they had a use for him. They decided that with his attitude and his raucousness and his need for like destruction or whatever, that he would be the perfect person. He became a Danite. They're like they're like Mormon mafia. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what he was. Like, I, w- I won't say that like across the board or whatever, but that's basically what he was. Is he was like he was like. Like a Mormon hitman. He was just going around taking care of their problems. If they were having issues with somebody, you know, land disputes, general problems, you know, people were giving them flack for, for living their life the way they did or whatever. They would just like sick him on these people and he would just terrorize them and kill them. That was what he did. He was this total enforcer. Well, then once again, it kind of got to the point where he kind of wore out his welcome and he was off again. He ended up going up to, back up to Oregon because he never stayed anywhere very long for all kinds of reasons most obvious ones. He ended up going up to Oregon and he killed this guy that was unarmed in cold blood in front of a bunch of witnesses. The guy, they called him Dutch Fred. This was like the early 1860s. The guy was completely unarmed and it was like a public place. He did this where a lot of people saw. He got arrested in Portland for this. Before he got arrested in Portland, he went up to British Columbia for a little while and kind of like trashed around up there or whatever. And then Of course, as usual, made his way back down because he didn't stay anywhere very long. And they picked him up in Portland. See, the thing about Boone is he didn't come from a poor family. They were like upper middle class people. Everybody pretty much was pretty stable in their lives and stuff and and doing all right. Okay, well, he had this brother they used to call old Tex. He reaches out to him and he's like, hey, I totally like this is the big deal. I really, really, really screwed it this time. This is bad. Can you help me? and Tex is like oh, all right uh, let me see what I can do you know so Tex comes up to Portland he goes around he bribes all the witnesses he manages to completely get Boone just completely exonerated of his chart like they were just like oh yeah no good he didn't do nothing huh? must have been some other Boone helm <laughs> like it wasn't you no big deal so he goes to Texas with his brothers. His brothers like, okay, well, you're gonna come down here. You come stay with me. You're gonna stay the hell out of trouble because this is this is not okay. <laughs> this is not acceptable behavior, and you know we're not gonna play this game. So he goes with his brother down to Texas. Of course, he doesn't stay. Because why would he do that? Right. That would make sense. It's it's safe. He can he's he you know, he has an opportunity to like stay out of trouble and be stable and stuff. So, of course, he has to run from that as fast as he can, because that's just not his not his gig, not his thing. Right. Not his style. So he goes and decides that he's going to go back to California again, because, you know, I mean, (laughs) step back a minute. Remember, like this has been a goal for a long time. And even though he like got there and it didn't work out and he left again, he's still like in his mind. He's like, California, California's a place to be, you know? So he heads back out to California to try again to get in on that gold rush, right? So he gets out there. He ends up joining up with Henry Plummer's gang. They're doing their usual, you know, trashing about. Once again, moving around as usual. They had to stay kind of on the run because they were a bunch of outlaws. There were a lot of robberies. There was they were there's nothing these people didn't get into. Like they just it was truly like the Wild West. They just and they were wild and they just did whatever total lawlessness and they trashed around for a long time. In 1864, the whole group of them gets picked up in Virginia City, Montana. Boone's like, well, here we go again, right? But this time it wasn't as easy as bribing somebody or greasing some palms or whatever. He got arrested by a vigilante group. So the whole time Boone is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've done nothing wrong. I've just an innocent bystander you know but at the same time he is literally just spilling his guts about everything about these other guys everything that they'd ever done he was just like dumping all of their dirty laundry every crime they committed during the time he was with them he was just spilling all the beans and like four of these guys were like if we get out of here like you're done he kept saying that he didn't do anything that everything that happened the murders and stuff that he was being accused of that three-fingered jack gallagher did it they found him guilty they said, yeah, no, we know better. You're done. We're not playing this anymore. And and as he was in court and they're going over everything and they're like, you know, you know, you did this. You just, you know, finally he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then he started like trying to backpedal in a different direction. It's like, okay, yeah, I did it, you know, but then trying to like get away with his life at this point, you know, because they're, they're gonna, they're, they're done with him. So he's like, well, okay, I admit, you know, thinking they would go lighter on him maybe. I don't know. I don't know what his his angle was there. On January 14th, 1864, he was hanged for his crimes. And as he was up there on the gallows, at the time they had like a, a basically a little block that you stood up on and then they kicked the block out from under you and the thing happens. He gets up there and before the executioner has a chance to kick his block out from under him, his last words were every man for his principles. Hurrah for Jeff Davis, let her rip. Jeff Davis was the Confederate president at the time, obviously a strong proponent for slavery and really bad at his job. And he's a whole nother story. Boone was a little on the racist side on top of everything else and loved to push buttons. So that was his last words. There was roughly 11 people that they were like pretty sure of, but the actual number of people that he actually murdered like nobody has a clue. There's estimates anywhere from the initial like 11 to like 30 or 40. They have no idea because he never stayed in a, in one place very long. He traveled a lot. Of course he would have run a lot across a lot of other travelers and stuff along the way. He was just so unruly and so out of control like they don't have nobody has any idea exactly how many people that this man ended their lives or ruined their lives. There you have it. The Kentucky Cannibal. Boone Helm. Wild story. Wild guy. Completely insane. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week and uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed recording it. The research was a little bizarre. I will talk to you next week. Bye.